0: a picture of who we are, but it is rather who we are in a secret place. And so we're trying to cultivate a place of comfort, a place of peace, a place of, of, uh, of delight in God's presence. And I spent so many of my years of childhood, adolescence, even adulthood, not viewing God's presence as a place that I would want to run when things weren't okay, it wasn't the place that I wanted to go when I had sinned. It wasn't the place that I wanted to go when I had a need. It was the last place I wanted to go because my vision of who God was actually made me feel unsettled to be in His presence as an imperfect being. So how can we find the words that King David said when he said that I have calmed and quieted my soul the the very core of his being. I am at peace. Like a weaned child, a child that's no longer looking for uh, nursing and sustenance and and neediness, but rather just wanting to be with its mother for the mother's value. My soul is like that within me towards God. My soul is at ease in His presence, not merely my, my spirit, not, not my moral person, yes, I've been forgiven, but my physical frame. If I were to imagine it, and understand that God's presence is here right now, that the only thing holding His presence back from me seen is the limitations of my physical reality this moment. That not only physically, morally, but spiritually, he is here and mom, is here. How? How does that allow me to function in a way where I can move beyond the fear into the place where I feel at home with his presence? My soul is at ease with God. Can you say that to me? That every bit of you, your 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 mind, your heart, your body is at peace with God. If you were to walk into this space, you would feel his gentleness. You would welcome his presence like a summer breeze. Or would it feel uncomfortable for you? And I ask not to, to to allow any condemnation or, or judgment or anything, but rather to say, if, there, if there's anything other than joy at his nearness, all that shows is that there are areas in my life, that I feel that that I haven't brought into his presence. There's something within me that I'm not sure if he's going to be good news towards or if it's going to be bad news if he were to interact with it. And so, we're going to talk today about how do we cultivate internal stillness. A stillness that is born through salvation, the death of Christ that conquers the grave, and removes the legal obligation to pay back that debt that we incurred by our rebellion. How do we step into a life of peace with God? How do we quiet? soul? How, how do we walk into the presence of God knowing the history that we bring with us? The things we've done, for, the things done to us, the things done in our presence. What do we do when we're interacting with God and, and we don't even know why, but we just feel ill at ease? Because you were created for that. You were created to actually be at home within the hands and arms of God. And that will be your eternity, whether your current experience is that today or not, there will be a moment where there will be no other place that you'd rather be. That heaven in itself, if it is just you and just your Father, it will be exceedingly more than you could ever think or imagine. So, how do we find our places that even now? How do we become comfortable in the presence of this unapproachable, perfect light even now? Well, we know that there are things within us that throughout time we're in the process of becoming more and more like, more like Jesus as we invite him into more and more spaces of our life. We've got some more uh, water here that's got some residue. This has been sitting for over 24 hours and it's still not clear. Some stuff in our life, it takes a while to settle. So, some things are so uh, uh, uh Elite and so mysterious that, that they're, they're not going to just fall and settle in a moment everything becomes clear. And so God invites us not just to go, hey, I want to be good at having a quiet time with God, one-on-one. I'm going to block out all the extra noise. I'm going to quiet my mind. Once we get past the mind, we get into the spirit, the place where that the Lord interacts with us, the place where divine and humanity come and converge. He he wants to interact with us, but even in that space, what do we do when our soul is troubled? When we feel that we are not at peace? Because the the ill peace within our soul, it will spread within, within our lives. It will affect all, all of us. You will find that when, when you're in at ease within your spirit, it will affect the way you interact with other like people. It will affect the way you interact with family members, uh, uh, co-workers. It will have all of the impacts that you are worried have. And so, need to take it seriously. So if you look at this pawn bar, right? Um, I'm going to try, try something today. Uh, I have this picture in my mind. Uh, How many of you were to close your eyes and picture the most safe place that you had as a child? You broke your mom's face, where do you run? You got an F, where do you run? You're not feeling well, where do you run? And I had this image in my mind that I kept coming back to, and I use it within my time of meditation, when I think about God as my father, um, I had a great dad full of integrity, hard worker, business owner, but he, he just brought up a generation that He we weren't home very often, we worked really, really hard, and so his, his moments where he was home and kind of doing the nurturing thing were, were seldom, and I had this image in my mind, when I think about. God just like wrapping me up and caring for me. I had this image of me in middle school, and I loved Chicago bulls, and I was too cool for school, I had these cool wireframe glasses and a bowl cool But in this image, like my I'm, mind I'm, I'm like not feeling good. And we had this Afghan that 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 um yeah. it had, it was the softest blanket in the house. And so I remember just being wrapped up in the and I was like dad had me just in his arms. That was like in middle school, right? So this is too old but still it felt like all, all is good. Aww. Oh jeez. Wow, look at that. So I asked my mom, I started sketching, you know, and, and I started. And I was just like, Mom, do you have this picture? Let's give you that picture. Do you have this picture? Because I keep it keeps coming to my mind. you realize that it was a there's a picture behind it of this moment that just stood out in my mind as, as this moment of complete peace. That if I could go back or even imagine what it would feel like to be um, just taken care of, that, that would be it. Do you guys have a picture in your mind of what yours would be? Is there a place, a person? house, a tree house, a fort. See, when we start thinking through what God is trying to do in our lives, the residue of life, I mean, I don't even know when that picture was taken, but it was years and years ago. It, it leaves a mark. It, it made it more difficult for me to remember even what, what it looked like, and I kind of get this this vague image of like I think there was a couch, and, and maybe this is a real situation. It's not. What was that in, in Lebanon or was that in in Everett? I don't quite remember, and so it became fuzzy and foggy. But still, that was that word within. It. How many of you guys remember you, you are in your safe place? Spend your hand. want to share? What was your safe place? Go to golf, when you got in trouble, when things weren't you okay? Okay. Bedroom. Bedroom. Describe it to me. Jolli-jolli, <laughs> ball What? I that's what we're doing. Two twiddies, Okay. Lots of shelves with things that I'd like to collect. Yeah. Now, I bet if you were to sit and think about that, and I would ask you again tomorrow, tell me more about that space. Tell me more about what, of the carpet was. Tell me more about what sheets were typically on the bed, what posters were on the wall. What were some of the things that, that you felt when you were in this place? What made it special? Because it's so difficult to push through all of these different mock of life, to be able to try and remember what was really there? Is it just a moment? We can try. We try like clear like, and off and like, alright, yeah, I wish I could get this off so I could see what's what's reading behind this. And man, like, my memory's foggy. I don't quite, quite know what was really there, but it's it's closed, right? It's like you guys. The other rowdy crowd over here. Right. You can try one, one. But there's just some things that just just take so much to remember to try and establish. Oh. How? How do we find our way home when things are How do we discern between the remembrance of what is true and what is just put on by the, the, uh, the residual of being in the world and having different things in the principle of trying to cultivate awareness and a, a, uh, an understanding of those people that He is not the straw man that many have been brought up to believe that He is. The angry father, ready to punish, frustrated with you, tired of you failing, irritated, ready to give up. But God is trying to envision to us a different person of If your vision of God looks so different than your vision of Jesus, we have a problem because he is the imprint of God. And so there is a consistency that Jesus came for the grace and truth. Therefore, there was a gentleness even to the straightforwardness. Today we're going to look back here. Because it's so difficult for us in this world to really keep our eyes clear about what is most important and what is truly eternal. It's way too easy for us to try and imagine things and get things wrong. And So turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to be looking at the uh, rise and fall of Peter. Alright, so if you are in the story, you kind of understand what's going on here in Matthew 16. Jesus and the disciples have been going through uh, the different areas, they've been doing miracles, and they've been doing signs. And finally, the Pharisees are like, hey, show us another sign Jesus. And Jesus is like, listen, if I show you another sign, you're not going to believe it, so I'm not going to give you another sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, which is basically his death, raised in the tomb, and then being raised again you, the disciples, is this. They leave there, and they get into a boat, and Jesus says, hey, beware of the Pharisees, for they have leaven. The teaching is trouble, and it's like, and the disciples are like, did you bring bread? He's talking about leaven. Did you bring bread? No, we forgot to bring bread, and Jesus said, here's what? Why are you talking about bread? We just made four thousand people filled from twelve. Like, did you not do the math? Like, I'm not talking about bread. There's something else going on here, and this is a consistent trend within disciples and well, among disciples today is we get focused on the here and now, the earthly things, the tangible things, and we miss the greater things that are going on. Why is that important? Because life. And the kingdom do not consist of what we eat and what we drink, says Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. Life is more than what you eat and what you drink. There is something more significant going on right now. Are we tuning into it or are we distracted? And so we pick up the story in um, verse 13 of 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of uh, Philippi, he asked his disciples, uh, who do people say that I think the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, other people say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, um, and, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, Welcome. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter receives this understanding that is not based upon what he's seen before his eyes. The Father gives him a heavenly, Godly understanding of who Jesus is that looks past the circumstances to see the true identity of Jesus. And Jesus is like, well done. And then he got past Peter in the back. Good job, buddy. And he tells Peter some really cool things, and we'll get to it later. But he's like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. And he starts feeling really good about himself. And he's like, oh, Jesus is going to be on the Messiah, the king, the one who's going to rule, the one we've been long waiting for in verse 21. from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, raised. And was like, "What?" Well, he took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. You're not setting your mind on things of God or things of God such a point in saying Peter wanted what he thought was obviously what God wanted. Only he was filling in the gaps which actually made him miss what was actually taking place. Sometimes we want to see God do something and then we're like, Oh, if God is going to answer my prayer, it's going to look like X, Y, and Z. And we get ahead of ourselves and we stop listening and we stop looking. And we just go like, God, why aren't you doing it? And God's like, I'm doing something else over here. Notice this, the humanity of Jesus is on show here. What shows us that that Jesus is is human in this text? Like, literally. Throw me. Anybody? Get on and say. Why? So, Peter, mentality on the here and now is actually hindering Jesus. It's a stumbling block to Jesus. And Peter refers to, to, to Peter in the same way he referred to Satan in his temptations. Who Satan was trying to say, hey, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of God, well, I can give you the kingdom and power the glory. All of you just bow down to me. He's like, get behind me are speaking the language of temptation. Like you, because I'm human, you are speaking into me something that I am trying to conflict and push against. My mind is intent on something different than what your mind is on. Get behind your or entrance something. You've got to believe that Jesus looked around and he knew that Satan's offer for glory and power in the kingdoms was legitimate. Satan had the ability to give the glory, the power. He's the prince the of the power here. He has charge of this earth for a period of time, and Jesus wants his name to be sung by the nations. He wants people to see him in glory. He wants to see the heavens embrace him. He wants humanity to be able to go, oh, he is the Messiah, the one true God, son of most high. He wants that. And wanted it for perform as well. But there is a false version of Jesus that he was willing to perform. A false version of Jesus that would force things at his own timing and agenda to accomplish what God wanted in his own way. To take the shortcut, to focus on the human practicality instead of a wobbly God. <coughs> the that and so we so, see people hiding. Now no, there's more evidence that Jesus is wrestling between the human and the heavenly. As we go on in the text, and, and for fear of time, I'm just going to speak it instead of reading it. If that's okay. He goes and takes the disciples six days later to the mountain where he is transfigured. He takes Peter, James, and John to this mountaintop because Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Man, your mind is on the things of man and not the things of God. Notice what he says directly after he criticizes God. He says, If anyone would come after me," verse 24, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it, whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? Jesus said, Peter, listen, I know that your mentality is that you want to gain the world, you want to gain power, you want to gain the public esteem in the here and now, what you see, the mentality of man that makes sense to you. But listen, you can do your plan and still lose your soul. And I will not allow myself to do that. And I won't allow you to do so either. The lesson for you and I is, we can have an absentee faith where we actually do a lot of stuff for God and actually have no soul investment at all in spirit. Absentee Christianity is to blame for much of the pain, much of the distrust, much of the wickedness that takes place in, in many churches around, where people's heart is separated from their faith. The words are saying one thing, but their heart is doing something else. And what uh, solitude does is it forces us not merely to just say the right stuff, but instead, you "No, know, I want to allow my, my heart, mind, soul, and strength to, to offer my full self, my soul, to the living God. I want to be present to Jesus in a way that strips back the things that allow me to hide behind different strategies, different mentalities and it just makes me vulnerable to the truth of who am I by myself, apart from title, apart from, from education, apart from family, apart from achievement, who am I as I am? Jesus says that's your heart. The who you are when you feel the need to run and hide—that's the who you are that you want. The vulnerability, the moments where life strips away the facade, the projection. And got nowhere to hide. It's just you. Either Jesus is going to become this point of refuge, point of peace, point of hope, or he's going to be the thing that actually causes you to go And if that be the case, the mentality is missing. Something is off of the vision that we have of who Jesus is. Because Jesus came not to take but to give. And it cost him everything and it took him determination and will power to focus on the things of heaven rather than the things of earth to cultivate that intimacy with the Father where he would constantly go off to be alone with the Father so that he can uh, know and be known by the Father and to reorient orient himself around what is truly eternal. And it's so hard for us. When we, um, when we get into spaces that cause us to forget who we are.
1: I love how Jesus took his disciples onto the, the
0: hilltop where he was transfigured and we we're told that uh, Elijah and Moses show up in chapter 17. And behold, there were Peter and Moses and Elijah talking to him. Peter said, man, it's great for us to be here. So Peter was praying in this solitude with Jesus. Solitude is not only by yourself, but with others who have the same purpose. Peter, James, and John, they are reviewing the this revelation. We've seen Jesus, he is wow, right there. With the two most powerful historical figures in the history of Israel. Those symbolizing the law and the prophets. And then the Father says, his voice becomes dominant in this moment and they get this revelation in this space of clarity and then they walked on the hill and Jesus says, listen, it is necessary that I suffer. The disciples asked him, has Elijah verse 11, 17, 11, Elijah does come, he says, he will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him, whatever they pleased. So often, some men some uh, will certainly suffer at their hands. If you are to listen to the words of Jesus, who says, Listen, I know you have an image in your mind of what Messiah looks like. But I need you to know, when the Father is telling you, Listen to my words, it is necessary that I suffer at their hands. You have to invite. Something into reality that conflicts with your own agenda. Because it's true. And it's life giving if you go to Not only that, he says to Peter in the next stanza in the chapter 18 truly, I say to you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse four. What we have here is a treatment of Jesus himself and Peter, who are navigating the tangible and the heavenly. And it's so tempting for them to be distracted that even Jesus, during his transfiguration, it says that Elijah and Moses are talking to him. is not curious. What's fascinating is that in Luke chapter 9, we're actually we're going to look at an audit, what they are actually saying. And Luke 9 it tells us that they are speaking to Jesus about what was to come, which is his uh, do you have that reference? Luke 9? Can't feel good. Luke 930. And behold two men were talking the same account, of the gospel with them. Moses and Elijah. Who appeared in glory, and they spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Interesting. Interestingly enough, two things that God wants to speak to you in solitude. So there is the challenge, right? To be the externals, really quiet internals, so that you can be in the quiet with God so that He can speak to you your identity, and be called Who are you? And what are you supposed to do today? The two most essential things to our existence. And the caution to us today is, let us not be as Peter who has a minds set on the things of the earth to the point that we are stuck at the surface level and never get into the clear with God and allow Him to speak about who you are. The world of anxiety, the world of tension, the world of worry, the world of uh, shallow living is not what you've been called to. You've been called to living in the depths of God. Where we can bring to God everything we have. Where we can speak to you about your identity. Where we can bring to Him the the reality of how you view the world and allow Him to refine it. Because that's the other thing He does in solitude. As He speaks to us refining words. Do you want to cultivate the ability to hear the voice of your mind? When you're overrun by guilt, his voice is gentle and soft and sweet and says, Come, 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 to identify his is acceptance that says there's nothing you can do that will allow you to fall out of your love. In the face of the voice of the accuser who says, we're dying again. We're broken, we're not in Christ. We never belong anywhere. else What voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to allow God the time with our hearts, the space of openness for them to interact with some of what we're focusing on? Or are we just going to stay at the human level of looking about concerns, challenges? We have to decide to to, to submerge below the level of distractive. And that's so challenging, <coughs> a couple of quotes I want to share as we find our way. line. Ruth says this, The heart is the sphere of divine influence. Or is the arena of divine human interaction? Silence helps us to drop beneath the superficiality of our mental constructs to the place of our heart that is deeper in its reality than anything the mind can capture or express in words. Psalm 31 says, I am not occupied in my mind with things that are too high for me. I have not put my mind at things that that, that are too great. I have not puffed up with pride. I have calmed my heart in your presence. I have calmed my soul. This is King David. King David who has done everything that you and I try our best not to do. How does it King David feels like and swallow the presence of God. Okay, David. Psalm one thirty-eight says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slowly and we're boundly and steadfast of those passive love. Yeah. This love that is what embraces. It's this covenantal love that cannot be broken. It's come what may, we're not going anywhere. Love. And this is what God invites us into. With his arms spread wide, he's got this love for us to meet us. And old, one. We're told that we're supposed to be still and know that he is God. And knowing is knowing what it is to be loved by Him. Spaces of our programs. It's one thing to to know your spouse. It's another thing to to believe that somebody is trustworthy. It's another thing to to know what it is to to believe that that chair can hold you, but it's a completely different knowledge to sit in the chair, to not just know your spouse, but make love to your spouse. To not just believe that somebody is trustworthy, but to give them the keys to your favorite car That's a spiritual change. And this is what God invites us into. Not This plastic, two-dimensional I believe it, it's all good. No, He wants your soul. He wants the guts of us to be interacted with Him. He wants us to place ourselves, our fears, our hopes, our dreams, and allow Him to interact with them. And He invites us to do this. But it takes time for you to be to trust God that God is actually going to this to some of the things in your life. And so there may be spaces in your life today where you're like, I got emptiness, I got pain, I regret, I got anger, I'm feeling inside of these holes in my soul where God's like, I just, if you just don't like Promise and experience and love in those places of pain. It is the difference between life, after death, and living in the tomb. So God, His embrace is for our is It is for our character development. He desires to see our identity form. just like He said, you are pure, Petrus, rock. He speaks identity and purpose. You are rock. Pick up your cross and follow. Some of the death that I need to experience in my life, and you need to experience in your life, is not just saying, I can pick up my cross and I follow Jesus. What does that mean? Does that mean someday maybe I'll die from my faith? Well, I think that's the function of life that many of us carry. To carry your cross, like, oh yeah. yeah, I'll die if I have to. No. Pick up your cross, and in this context, Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, Hey, Peter, you are, you are hungering for the world of man. You want esteem, You want security. You want this world in front of you. And it's he's like, die to that world. Sever the ties, and instead anchor yourself to the things of the kingdom, so that you may not lose that which you never truly lose. to gain that which I can only give. The scene taking the cross is saying, listen, I am going to choose to live my life according to the economy of eternity, not the economy of this transient time. I want to live my life with eternity in mind, not this life. I want to orient myself in a way that that makes God my home. You will never stop loving this world until you find a greater love. You will never stop loving your comforts, your convenience, your ease, your power, your authority, the things of earth, the things of man. You will never love Jesus more. In those things until you allow yourself to experience his love in place of those things so a person thirsting death drinking someone they'll die The Christian life just doesn't make much no sense
1: to be <laughs> Because
0: He is the light of life. So, as we come to the close, we can think about all this internals. How is it? circumstances, confusion. How do we allow our eyes to be focused on what truly is with our mind? What kind of things do you guys do to allow yourself in these moments of solitude and quiet to begin to cultivate one on relationship with the Lord. It's a genuine question. Maybe you'll notice we're transitioning into the discussion. What do you guys do? What do you guys do to cultivate and push away the lack of clarity and believe the God of God? I'm just going to keep going on you guys. which I don't know very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this great idea is one well. of the human fiction
1: I'm up the 4 o'clock. I've mentioned this in my in our first sermon. I'm at the 4. Everyone else, for the most part, is asleep. Except um, for him. And I will begin by listening to Scripture. Because it's something we do that i been doing this year. Rather than reading it, I'm trying to listen to it. And once I'm done with my portion of Scripture, I will sit. Welcome to prayer of come um, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want to hear from you. Lord, speak. And I'll just sit, and I will wait. Now, as thoughts begin to come into my mind, if you're things like you know, the distracting kind of thoughts, like the things I need to do today, I'll push those aside, and I'll continue to re myself. Come, Holy Spirit. Um, with the How many times? There are times where he goes, like this week. We, as a family, have been really struggling. I'm mean, going to just be completely transparent with you guys. We've been struggling with our firstborn with attitude and temperament, and she's been developing this OCD complex of always needing to wash her hands, to where she's now she has cracks and wounds on her hands from washing her hands so much, and then this week Holy Spirit just revealed to me that you kind of the cause for that I said some things to her just as we were playing and it stuck and then she compulsively started washing my hands and so for me, I'm beginning to work on that personally of uh, watching what I say to my daughter so I don't negatively affect her so for you, bad things all to what have you done? What's been the practical day-to-day um, and result of that? Kathy? Just because i am organized born my brain. Um, I have a timer. I mean, I have a thing on my phone uh, that says this is the time I'm going to do this. I have a place that I live in my house that's the same place every time because I go outside that lecture. Um, and I put a timer on because I'm thinking, you can sit here for minutes and not do something. Um, and I just quiet myself. I say, do well, you can say what? do you want me to hear? And it actually has been um, very, very rewarding the things that you brought up that I kind of sensed he was going to. Uh, I was like, oh, you can sit here. But it has directed me into some places for like you that um, I'm just starting that um, I think is but you don't know like that, but you just keep going every day. And so, something to me nice, is there to slap like, you
0: through. One of the things I've learned over the last year, probably, in my time, is God's desire for me. My heart and know my heart. Ultimately, really God wants my heart. And I think the time of solitude that I've had, it's been early in the morning, it's when I, I, I do it. it I, I get pretty excited about waking up in the morning and just getting out there. Sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's five thirty. But it he spoke to me in a way that has really allowed me to check my heart before him. In all different walks of my life, like, what are my motivations? What is, it that, you know, what is it that I really want? Which is a really hard question for me. And to really get to know my heart before God has been transforming I think, because he wants my heart and yet and everything flows from my heart. And so, those, for me, that's been a really tough thing. Over you know, the years, that you just live your life, right? You just do the things that you want, you, you feel called to do, but do you really check in with our heart? It's, it's been really an insightful thing to kind of take care of everything and energy my heart against. Where it's at and where God will call me uh,
1: to with it. And so that's been really important. Thank yeah, you, great. Kathy? Anyone else? That's uh, okay. We do highly encourage yeah, everyone. Just like in all of our other practices, this, this is something for us to continue to, to uh, progress our lives. It's not just for this month and then put it on the uh, side. Some of us may fall out of practice with it for a little bit, but Jesus is always inviting us back into these practices, into relationship, into solitude. This faith, this walk, this life, it's not a 100-yard sprint we all know a marathon for however many years the Lord has given us. So I I would encourage everyone: If you haven't started solitude yet, there's no time I am in prison. Five, ten minutes to start your day. Five, ten minutes to end your day. You have pockets within your life in which you can take intentional time to sit and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You don't have to be the one doing the talking. Psalm is meant for you to open yourself up for him to speak to you about how he has called you, what he's called you to do, how he's made you. It means that he is within you, in your heart, his spirit talking about. That's prime time for him to speak life into you. So if you haven't started, no time better than the present. Let's pray. Let's do something during worship. This is And then we'll uh, we we'll begin our time of worship, of reflection, of communion with God. If you have things that you need to take care of with Jesus, things that have taken place this week. It was a holiday week, so who knows what kind of thing will be wrong We have the prayer corner need some time if you need some prayer. Uh Kathy and myself, probably David will be over there if you need some prayer. But give yourself right, Jesus, before you take the bread, before you take the cup. That's a symbol and remembrance of what it is that He's done for us. His life, His death, His resurrection is the thing that we all absolutely are thankful for. We will not be here today for more. Father, thank you. Thank you that you desire to speak to us. <coughs> you desire to know us deeply and deeply. That you have a calling for each and every person here. And for some, they may be wonder, tell oh, you, we really have something that you want them to do. That they think that they're too late in life to have a calling from the Lord. I pray that you just push that lie and the enemy away from them. No matter the man of the desires, but you desire to speak to us, to reveal those things to us.